Well, we want to welcome you to our podcast of the Holy Days, and uh, I'm Apostle Freddie Riggs. I'm here with Pastor Sean Shepherd, and we have a special guest, uh, Pastor Becky, uh, with us today. And we're glad to have you today, Sister Becky. It's great to be on this show. I know, you know, and probably you as well have really enjoyed watching this podcast. Uh, so I'm excited just to be here today and just to glean from what these two men of God have to offer. So do you enjoy the podcast? I do. Uh, it, does it bring things to life that uh, you've never heard or, or never studied? Some of it. It's that I've not heard. I've not known the, you know, the Hebrew side of it or, you know, certain things that, uh, especially Pastor Sean is bringing out some information that I never knew. Well, so I love how it all correlates with Christ. Well, that's too. his expertise that's to right. bring out. And we're honored to have Pastor Sean to lead us once again today. Uh, so today we're going to be picking up in the book of Leviticus chapter 6. So Pastor Sean. Amen. Thank you guys. Uh, so today we're covering the Parsha Zav, and it actually means to command is the, uh, the word for it today. But it, we start out chapter 6 and we go through 8, uh, 36. So in this Parsha, the Jews take a moment and they, uh, they go outside of the scripture here. And they teach on what's called Yetzer HaTov and uh, Yetzer HaRa. Now, this is good inclination versus evil inclination mm -hmm. and dealing with that. That's the terminology for that. And they're like, how do I deal and get away with, because I have free choice. How do I get away from these desires of evil inclinations? How do I get away and get to the good inclinations? Because the way they look at it, my free will is the problem. Okay. And they look at it that way. Okay. And there's like, I should be submitted unto God. Hmm. So they, it's all about willingly submitting that unto God and how do I do that? And they usually cover that in this partial. So it's just a, it's just a matter of, a, am I going to submit this to God or not? Well, and that's a good lesson for us today because even today, uh, we all struggle submitting to God. Uh, we kind of have the ideal that <clears throat> I can fix this. And uh, most of the time we find out that we get in the middle of it, we cry out, God, help me. How can we fix this? So no different that day than it is today. Amen. Amen. That's true. Um, resisting Yetzer HaRa. So you remember if in the earlier parashahs I mentioned Ra, the word is actually for evil in Hebrew. So Yetzer HaRa is your evil incarnation. Um I just wanted to, for people to be able to see that and remember that. So it's just dealing with that evil inclination within all of us. Because I've heard it taught that uh, humanism, you know, people are inherently good because they have a conscience. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not what the Word of God says. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Right. Uh, we are not inherently good. We have to deal with those things. Now, the conscience may, you know, touch on that. And we may feel bad for that because it's built into us. But... It doesn't make us good. We desire evil, and we know that, and it's yeah. putting that in submission unto God. So in Romans tw uh, chapter 2, verse 15, uh, they show that they work of the, the work of the law is written on their hearts, mm. while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. We all know that scripture. And uh, Gentiles doing good before they knew through their conscience, and... Uh, the battleground of the mind, you know, is the, it's the greatest battle we face. And I don't know about everybody else, but it's the greatest battle that I face. 
It is. And it's, uh, you know, this, the study of the Torah for the Jews and its, uh, its true meaning being embedded in their souls through the study bears witness of the word of God within them. That's the way they look at it. So uh, if I study the word of God, then the word of God bears witness inside of me on all of this. And it's, uh, that's one of the ways they try to get rid of that evil inclination. So. Um, in chapter 6, verse 1, sin against God by lying to your neighbor for financial gain. It covers uh, most examples of how or why. In the end, you return uh, what you stole and add one-fifth part more. Then bring that to the priest, and that is uh, his guilt gift to God. Now, a ram that is perfect from the flock or of equal price for whatever he did that made him guilty, and he will be forgiven. So that was part of the, that sin offering, and that's the part that I didn't cover in the earlier parasha, so I just thought I'd bring that out. But here's where I'll, I'll try to be a little bit careful, but uh, imagine if your corrupt national leaders had to do this, you know, being taxed for your property that you already paid for, and just to keep it every year. And it's, it's theft, period. It's, there's no other way to look at it. It's, it's flat out theft, and it's from the government end. And we know that. And uh, people all over the world are starting to rise against oppression. We got France, we got all these other nations that are rioting in the streets. It's not even being covered by news. We're not even talking about it. And uh, this new world order path that they were going to take is starting to crumble all over the place. So we're seeing these things set in motion. We're seeing the rise of other nations uh, set in motion, and we're seeing the decline of our dollar and things of that nature. And it's all setting up for the end time. And, you know, if, if we had obeyed the word of God and people were made to make things right, I often touch on that because Muslims accuse Christians. You don't have to make things right when you sin. Mm-hmm. And that's not the Word of God. Right. Now, we don't often teach it too much, but the Word of God is you sin against someone, you hurt someone, you make it right. Yeah. And it's, what does the Bible say? If you have an altar against your brother and you bring the yeah. gift to the altar. Mm-hmm. I keep covering that. I keep coming back to that. But it's just so true. If we, if we you know, repent of those things and make things right, mm-hmm. it's not always comfortable. Right. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I'm gonna. I'm. A, I'm gonna pick on Becky. So oh, I'm glad he's leaving me alone today. <laughs> Do you? Can you think of an example where something may have been uncomfortable, where you had to say, "Hey, I'm sorry." Uh, no, there's lots of times. <laughs> lots of times where, you know, and the thing is, the Holy Spirit convicts you within you. So that's that little stirring in your spirit. You just need to go ahead and do it. Because you're not going to ever get comfortable with it mm-hmm. until you actually go and make it right. You know, either you say you're sorry or you make amends at whichever way, you know, you feel Holy Spirit's leading you to make amends. But, you know, we, we try to avoid that or evade that. But that is stirring inside of you and you're never, ever going to find the peace right. if you don't go ahead and, and just make things right. Right. And I, I don't know about you guys, but me, it, it, it takes me a minute to uh, receive when someone's saying, forgive me. Because like the first day someone goes out of their way to make that effort, I'm just like, 
I may not even speak a word, mm. but I'll think about it all day long. Mm. And I always do. And the next day I'm like water under the bridge. Mm. That's usually the way it goes for me. So it's, uh, you know, sometimes whenever you apologize to someone, it may not sink quite in the first day, yeah. but eventually, you know, it gets there. I found out over the years that apologies, uh, when you make an apology to someone, uh, it may not, it may not change them, but it'll change That's you. Exactly yeah. Right. And uh, so our apologies many times, uh, asking forgiveness to someone is for our own self. Because if we don't, and we know we should have, then there again, it starts to build up inside of us. And we just got to, we can't be free right. until we know we've done what God wants us yeah. to do. Amen. And so uh, I can't worry if, it, uh, if they released it. But as long as I ask with a pure heart before the Lord, then uh, I'm free and I can go on. Amen. Amen. Uh, Moving right along, we'll go uh, chapter 8, uh, I mean, verses 8 through 13. We're going to get back into the burnt offering. Yes. So it was first given by uh, Abel. We talked about that, his uh, sacrifice in the last episode. Uh, Genesis 4, 4, the fire consumed the burnt offering and was to remain lit at all times. Mm-hmm. Rabbis and Christians agree the flame represents worship. And to pray at all times. Yes. The fire does not go out. Yes. Um, the sacrifice was burnt all night long. It, they took the ashes and they spread them around their uh, altar in the morning, uh, every morning. And in verse 11, he would carry some of the ashes outside of the uh, camp to a clean place. And in verse 12, the brazen altar was not allowed to go out. And in verse 13, the fires of revival should always be burning within us. And the Bible here... I might get in trouble for this one, but it puts the responsibility on the priests. Mm-hmm. It puts the responsibility on those in working in the ministry. So that can be hard sometimes because I've seen, um, I have seen it many times where ministers mm-hmm. will blame the audience for not praying enough. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, what are you doing? But um, it can get frustrating when it feels like people aren't pressing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, in, there's a passage right here that we just read, uh, verse 11 refers to it, that the priest had to uh, change his garments. Mm-hmm. He had to put on his regular clothes to take the, the ashes out. And then he come back and then re-put his own. Uh, why is that? I've had many theories. To me, it's, uh, it's all about because he's carrying ashes. So these are the, this is the dirtiness, this is the uncleanness. Mm-hmm. So I'll put on different garments to carry this out. And when I get back, I'm clean again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way that I looked at it. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of different teachings on that approach. So mm-hmm. uh, your thoughts? Well, I've always just wondered, uh, and personally, I thought, well, you know, you didn't want you to get your, your holy garments, your royal robe tarnished or stained, that it must stay pure before the Lord. And sometimes in our own lives, you know, that's that talking of forgiveness and cleansing that whole... Sometimes, sometimes we have to just get on our regular clothes and be a regular human, uh, <laughs> act like everybody else, and uh, humble ourselves, ask for forgiveness, and then we can come back into that position of ministry. And so I've kind of looked at it, well, maybe it's something along that line a little bit. I think so, and I think it was relevant to them because remember that the 
And whenever they left and they had worshipped the golden calf, all of them felt so ashamed that they took off all their fancy clothes and put on just regular linen garments. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a measure of remembering that, I mm -hmm. think, is a part of it. So, And, you know, we as ministers, uh, sometimes if we don't humble ourselves and, and come down to a to meet with a person on their level, they're looking at, we can't be, in other words, we just can't act high and mighty and like, well, I'm the, the pastor. Sometimes I've got to humble and, and just repent too. Yeah. So I, I think it, it's bringing something out with that in the teaching. Sister Becky, would you? No, I'm just still thinking about the fire that burns perpetually. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it is true, there is a responsibility, a great responsibility on the priest or the, the leadership Mm -hmm. you know, of a church or whatever. Uh, and we've been there in those positions. Uh, but, you know, we're all kings and priests mm -hmm. before the Lord. And so it is up to us individually as well. And I was kind of hoping even... To keep the flame going. Mm -hmm. You know, we are to fan those flames. You know, we stir the gift of God that's within us. So, um, and we would like to say, well, it's your fault. You know, and then they would like to say, well, it's your fault. But really, we each have an individual accountability with God and an accountability of keeping the flame burning within us. Amen. Uh, I was glad you brought that up. Uh, I was going to say, you know, we're all uh, got that priestly anointing within us. And at churches have your own intercessors. You mm -hmm. have the people who pray that stoke that fire to right. keep it going. And it's, it's so important. And uh, without that, imagine where we would be. Right. You know, we, we wouldn't see a move, you mm -hmm. know. And it's really, if you could get your entire body to yes. do that, yes. you couldn't imagine what right. would come forth. So right. it, it is true. So, yeah. so uh, you got something? Well, I'm still just looking at what we were talking about there and about the the offering the priest had to come in it tells us in verse 10 in the morning after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar it says then he must take off his garments change back into his regular clothes and carry the ashes outside the camp in place uh, that is ceremonially clean and meanwhile, then he comes back in and changes back into it. So I would just uh, just taking a quick look at that. And uh, as Sister Becky says, the the fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Uh, it's kind of a, we personally need to keep a, the passion of the fire burning, just like she was saying. So I'm just still just kind of mulling some of that over. Yeah, so. Had I known, he was going to ask about the ashes. <laughs> but uh, well, moving right along, we're in chapter 6, and we're going to go through 14 through 23. The meal offering was meatless, and it was half a gallon of flour, and uh, half of, of it was in the morning, and the other half at night. It was baked in a pan with oil, and the baked pieces of bread were offered as a sweet savor to Yahweh. Uh, it had to be offered by the high priest and those chosen to act on their behalf. So, uh, you know, the high priest was the one that prophesied that one man should die for the nation, referring to Yeshua. Mm -hmm. uh, 
It was to be burnt completely, the bread. Mm -hmm. None of it could be eaten. The sacrifice of Yeshua, you know, it's not something that they consumed. Right. Uh, he is the bread that came down from heaven. Mm -hmm. He said that, right. you know. And uh, the sin offering, again, referred to as the most holy, to be wholly burned with fire, the flesh considered holy. Whoever touches it would be considered holy. And whoever believes in Jesus, our final sacrifice, mm -hmm. is made holy. Mm -hmm. So that's where your parallels are coming in there. Yeah. Amen. So, the priests were instructed to break the earthen pots. Uh, our flesh is only cleansed by the blood of Jesus, not water. Right. So. Right. Amen. Thank yeah. you for the blood. Yeah, there's just the thought of the washing by the water of the word. Just That just popped in my head. But it's the blood that mm -hmm. actually takes away our sin. Mm -hmm. Amen. It sure is. Uh, there's a lot of references where these things point to Jesus. And I'm just, I, I mm -hmm. try to bring them all out and I skip over some. So call me out on it by all means. <laughs> uh, but uh, moving on to chapter seven, verses one through 10, we got the trespass offering. Uh, it had to be made every time a commandment was broken. So do we as Christians or any Jews watching make uh, you know restitution every time we break a commandment? Hmm. <laughs> so the judgment uh, of, of it was paid uh, for us but are we so sure we are not meant to behave in such a way that reflects that the one who paid the price for us so it was just something that you know I was thinking of because it's we ask for forgiveness yeah I committed this sin but you know he died for me so I asked for this, for this, but uh, am I, do I feel guilty about it at all? Or am I just covering my right. bases? You know, is it, am I seeing that I need to change? Am I seeing that I need to be more like him? And it's, it's questions that there's a, there's a lot of times where people are just sinning and they're like, well, you know, he's forgiven me and that's covered. And I'm, that's as far as they go. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's so much more and deeper than that, especially when you're reading through the Old Testament. One of the reasons why I like to dive into this stuff is it covers why all these things are wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's getting into that deeper uh, part of it to write that law in our hearts mm -hmm. and, you know, and to, to live by the way we're supposed to. Yes, if we obey the first and second commandment, we'll fulfill the rest. Right. But at the same time, I like to see all these things for what they are. And we're also called to make the Jew jealous. Yeah. So if we're not covering these things, we're kind of breaking that. Right. Mm. That's one of the reasons when I asked, uh, you asked the other day, why do we have to study Leviticus or yeah. things like that? Yeah. If we're not making the Jew jealous by showing off how this connects to Jesus. Right. Then, and celebrating the things that they do. But why are they like, why are you celebrating this? Yeah. There's a call on all of us to do that, to show them, hey, Yeshua is real and we're celebrating this. You just haven't awakened to right, it yet. Right. So, mm -hmm. anyway, I kind of got off topic. <laughs> the train trust, defrauding a partner, robbery, and then denying it, deceitfulness and business dealings, finding something that belongs to someone else but keeping it, these are all mentioned under trespass offering. Mm -hmm. That's all considered wrong. Yeah. They're still wrong now. Yeah. So, I kind of like to mention those because being nice about it, there's been uh, different uh, Christian businesses that I've, I went to in, uh, in another town and things where they're, 
I'm supposed to be blessed, so I'm going to charge way more than I should. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's got to be right. Well, you know, trespass means to, to cross the boundary that you're not supposed to cross. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, that's the same thing with trespass offerings. And we talk about this, trespass is a sin where we cross the boundary. Uh, and God sets boundaries that we should live by. Mm-hmm. And when we break and cross those boundaries or get outside of the boundary, we're, it's a trespass. That's why it's called a, a trespass mm-hmm. offering. So uh, we get that. We see that all the time. We know, we know the signs that do not trespass. And, uh, you know, we need to think of these visual signs when we think of sin. Do not trespass. You know, do not cross this mm-hmm. boundary. And so... Uh, it, it's kind of just a different way of looking at this trespass offerings. And I think Leviticus 5 really breaks it down more about the trespass offering. Yeah. So. You know, you, you mentioned, like, we say we're sorry, but there's a difference in saying I'm sorry and I truly repent. Mm-hmm. You know, repenting is, you know, let him who stole steal no more. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, those things that, like Apostle said, uh, you don't cross this boundary, but if you do cross this boundary, there are consequences, or you can, by making amends to that, by repenting, not just saying I'm sorry, but if someone stole something from me, I want it back, you know, well, or some, I want, you know, what's due to me. And, and in that trespass, you know, sometimes we do damage mm-hmm. to the property or damage yeah. on that. We got to pay it back, make restitution. Right, and so we can see it. It kind of same thing they're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, leaven was allowed to be used in the peace offering. We're gonna go on down to that now. And God provides even for those that are not guiltless. So leaven, you know, represents the sin bread, mm-hmm. and it was allowed to be used in that peace offering. Mm-hmm. So it's very significant of that, showing us that hey, uh, I've even come for you in this. And all of that in there. Yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting. But in uh, seven fourteen, the heave offering often a first fruit given along with the tithe. And uh, there's three types of uh, peace offering: Thanksgiving, which is uh, verses eleven through fifteen, uh, none was allowed to be wasted. A vow offering, which is sixteen through twenty one, and the verses think of uh, Hannah and Samuel. I vow to give mm-hmm. Samuel mm-hmm. Uh, voluntary or free will. And any remaining or uneaten on the third day was considered unholy, and then the person then bears the iniquity of it. Mm. So it's uh, when you give this free will offering, it's not allowed to remain after three days, or it's considered unholy. So uh, they would transfer the sin by laying on of hands, mm-hmm. right on the on the peace offering, okay. and then if it remained. They would, the priest would say, you're now considered unholy, and this was to no effect. You, your sins are still on you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you know, we give the offering, but there's a measure of obedience afterwards. Mm-hmm. Or that sin's not forgiven in that certain circumstance. So it's, it's kind of interesting to think about. You know, God's the one that ultimately decides, because there was a guy that hung on the cross next to me, and he said, remember me in your kingdom. Right. Today you'll be with me in paradise. So it's he makes the final decision, but there is a certain expectation of the way we live. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the, pre, the peace offering is a symbol of communion also. And, uh, you know, you've got to make that peace for that communion. Mm-hmm. Yes, anyone takes it unworthily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, chapter 8, we got Moses. He uh, begins preparing uh, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu to serve as priests at the door of the tabernacle in the sight of the people. Uh, Moses washes them with water and dresses his brother. Think of this like Jesus washing us and preparing us for the work of the kingdom. So this is kind of what was going on there with them. So he prepares him, and the, the Urim and Thummim are mentioned again and used to help make decisions. Uh, chapter 8, uh, 10 through 12, uh, it talks about the anointing oil was applied to the tabernacle and everything within it. And think of the Spirit of God being applied to every single application of our lives and the connection of that with the Holy of Holies. So every piece and everything in there was anointed with the oil. To so, set it apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how much of our lives are meant to be set apart? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much of our lives are meant to have the Holy Spirit in it? How much does he want to be a part of? And they wanted the whole thing. So, yes. Absolutely. Um, so in 23 through 30, Moses used the blood from the peace offering to anoint and consecrate Aaron and his sons for ministry. Upon the ear, the hand, and the foot, uh, hear God, serve God, and be led by God. So, verse 30, he sprinkled the blood on their garments, and they must bear the burden of the ministry. That's what the blood of that was about. 31 through 36, the priest stayed seven days for the consecration period in the tabernacle. They made the same sacrifices each day. They ate the sacrifices and ate the bread while sleeping in the courtyard. So that consecration period, they were not allowed to leave the temple. They had to stay. Uh, And, you know, in a day is like unto a thousand years before the Father comes down to walk among us on earth again, man must consecrate himself for those seven days, 7,000 years. Mm. So that's a way of looking at that. Mm. Uh, Good. So, you know, we had our first thousand, second thousand, all the way, you know, we're about to enter into uh, the next age. And when that's all said and done, then the Father comes down with the new Jerusalem and we get to experience all that. But the redemption price, you know, for man, it's uh, the period that it takes, that cleansing. What must, what must man go through to get to that point? Mm-hmm. So, seven days consecration. Yeah. To become a priest one And that's what we are to be, consecrate ourselves to the Lord, be set apart mm-hmm. for his work and his service. And so, um, it's very important that we allow that process to take place. Um, yeah, he, he is our sanctifier, which means he has set us apart. He set us apart for his glory, mm-hmm. for his use. And um, that sanctification process doesn't just happen in one day. Yeah. Like you're pointing out those seven years, uh, every day, daily, I must die to myself. Mm-hmm. And so that sanctification process continues up until the time. Well, we know that seven uh, yeah. represents time of purification. Completeness. And yeah. a complete, com- but in this sense, incidence is more purification that we must present ourselves pure and holy and acceptable living sacrifice unto yeah. the Lord. 
And so, uh, and that's, that's, this whole teaching is to bring us to that place. Uh, just when we read that passage last week in Romans chapter 12. So we are to uh, be set apart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, amen. Amen. That's, uh, we're in the season of Passover and unleavened bread. And uh, well, we talked about a lot of that on Wednesday night. And we're about to enter into the season of first fruits on Sunday, where he is the first fruit from the resurrection of the dead. Um, a lot of uh, these things are kind of overlooked. We got our feast days and all that, and then we've been going and more and more as time goes on that everyone's more interested. Mm-hmm. So I think as we go along, the more we're going to want to know about all these things. And there does seem to be a hunger for it, so that's mm-hmm. great. Um, but remembering that he fulfilled every sign. He fulfilled everything that he came to do. When you go back and study all these things and what they were about and the, what they represented, you get a picture of its completeness. So one way I like to say it, yes, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, hmm. but the Old Testament is where the mystery lies in. Yeah. Hmm. So, Well, this parashat that we're teaching, this the Holy Days, is uh, we're following it right, uh, uh, delivering to you on Saturday, uh, right between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And on Good Friday, for the last... Uh, 20 uh, some plus years, 25, 26 years, we've done a walk with the cross. Uh, and we read the same passages. We, we set up uh, eight stations where we read. But every year, I don't care how many times I do this, every year it's different. Every year I get more insights uh, out of that. And to, one of the things that really spoke to me today in several of the passages, Jesus didn't speak a word. He kept silent. And, um, you know, I was, and I really hope for a sense, and I, I ask, uh, but, you know, it doesn't always happen, but I asked for today to be more of a solemn reflection day because the weather shirt was a little solemn today. Uh, but um, we want, you know, a person needs to take the time between the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, we want to jump to the resurrection. We want to forget that time in between. But that time in between is when the Lord, if there was anguish, was anguish over our souls mm-hmm. and uh, uh, fought for our souls and took victory. Uh, so we need to spend this day uh, preparing for the resurrection, that we present our bodies, that living sacrifice, as Christ presented a new living sacrifice. So... Uh, uh, one of the things that, like I, I pointed out in the walk with the cross that I love is in the book of uh, Mark, talking about the resurrection. When uh, Jesus met with uh, Mary that morning, he said, go tell my disciples that I have risen and Peter. Go tell my disciples and Peter. And at that moment, Peter needed reassurance more than any other disciple or probably anybody living on earth that day. He had just denied him three times. And it always speaks to me because it lets me know that if he had to, Jesus was saying, go tell my disciples and Apostle Freddie uh, uh, also. And I was, thank you, Lord, that you remembered me. But he does. He remembers us. And this is a time of reflection and preparing for the, for a resurrection in a, that great day of celebration. Yes. You know, without the dying on the cross, there wouldn't be a resurrection. Mm-hmm. But 
when he said it's finished. It wasn't that it was finished for what he had to do. Uh, you know, it's like, well, now I'm going to give up the ghost. But it's finished, the task and the defeating of the enemy. And, and so because of the cross, we can have the victory and the resurrection. Amen. You know, when he said it was finished, it, it was so much in that statement. So much, yeah. It's it's finished, and uh, it's a lot more than two words, but uh, and one that ultimate sacrifice. It it was that finish of the Old Testament, and now we're starting the New Testament. So a lot of people say when the New Testament began, when the Old Testament. It wasn't on Matthew chapter one verse one. Uh, it's more over here at the crucifixion, and when he said it's finished, because he became the ultimate sacrifice. So, uh, we uh, we hope you uh, enjoyed the teaching today, uh, but we really hope that you uh, find a place to worship the Lord on Resurrection Sunday and be with your church family and uh, experience a great day in the Lord. Final words, Sister Becky? Well, if you don't have a place to come and worship, you are more than welcome to come to Faith Worship Center on Bloomfield Road. And we do pray that most of all, you find Christ. If you don't know Christ, that you, you know, he just says, if you call on my name, then you will be found. And so that's what just, we want to encourage you, if you have never done that, that you will call on the name of Jesus. Because he went to that cross for you. He went to that cross for me. And he wants to redeem us or purchase us back from what the enemy has stolen. He wants to give you a new life. Call on his name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Sean. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. We had to talk her into it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it's great to have you, and we thank everybody for watching. And, you know, during this time, it's all about, you know, that consecration and remembering what he did on that cross. Amen. So just spend that time with him and show up for church. You know, it's, it's so important to spend it in, in, in the building, in with other believers, remembering what he did in that sacrifice. So thank you, and join us next week, and we'll get right back on it. Amen. God bless, bless and remember, great is our God.